Good morning. My name is Ray. I'll be reading the scripture text this morning from Matthew 6, 19 through 24. Hear then the word of God. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where the thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will always be. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Thanks, Ray. So I had a couple of weeks to look at this passage. Um, I'd be warned, this was the passage that I had to teach on this morning. Um, and I longed for a way to somehow teach the passage from a safe distance, right? Um, and that's not really how it works. I would love for my, my picture of greed to remain Scrooge McDuck swimming alone in his money bin, Anybody remember this cartoon and this image of, of just pure greed? No one else can get in there. Him in a swimsuit, just doing laps in gold in his money bin. Just this picture in my mind of what greedy looks like uh, and someone who struggles with greed. But as I've grown in my experience and age, the Spirit of God has continued to open my eyes to better understand just how wayward my heart longs, my heart longs for the pleasures and the treasures of this earth instead of the kingdom of heaven. I, I mean, there are so many things that I could mention, specific examples of how I want to root myself here. I want to secure myself to this place in this time, and I want to secure all those that I love with me here. Let's look at this passage together. Verse 19. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. Here, here's the first thing I want to point out in this passage. Jesus defines treasure differently than you do. Jesus' definition of what treasure is, is different than yours. We, we have to kind of, let's set that in place, because everything else kind of builds off of that. Uh, we, we have to understand that since the beginning of creation, our tendency, our struggle, our natural, deep desire is to try to replace God with something better. To constantly be on the look for anything and everything that could potentially Replace God and try and do that. The world tells us 
that if we have enough money, we'll somehow have the power to not want anymore. To have an easier life, free from struggles. The lie that we often believe is that money gives us control. What we don't hear enough about is the fear that money generates. We don't hear enough about the insecurity that riches can bring. Jesus mentions moths and rusts and thieves in the passage. These are the, the three most common threats to wealth at the time. And by sharing this, Jesus is, is, is pulling earthly riches close and heavenly riches together to show us just how ridiculously fleeting and insecure earthly riches are. There's a quote in the front of your bulletin by Randy Alcorn in his book, The Treasure Principle. It's a very short, small book. So if you ever want to read it, it's super tiny. You can probably find it in any goodwill because they're just usually churches just give them out by the tens of thousands and they end up there anyway. So if you want to save some money, you can look there. Uh, he says this, when Jesus warns us not to store up treasures on earth, it's not because wealth might be lost. It's because wealth will always be lost. Either it leaves us while we live or we leave it when we die. No exceptions. Realizing its value is temporary should radically affect our investment strategy. Jesus goes on to say in the sermon in verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And Jesus is sharing a principle here that we see through, all throughout the month. The Bible, and it's this, that, that money is a great revealer of where our heart is. You hear this in movies sometimes, like, follow the money, like, follow the paper trail. And, and in this sense, spiritually, money is oftentimes the great revealer of where our heart is. How do you spend your money? Where do you spend your money? What value do you place on it? This is exactly what Jesus was addressing with the rich young ruler that came to him in Matthew 19 uh, and, and asked him, how can I have eternal life? And we see earlier in that passage that this rich young ruler had kept the law perfectly. But, but do you remember what Jesus's response was? Go sell all your possessions and give them to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Jesus isn't saying that it's a sin to be rich, but he doesn't mix words in saying that riches bring more challenges to following after him. In verse 23, he says it's difficult of, of chapter 19 uh, in the story of the rich young ruler. It's difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is teaching us that earthly possessions make terrible gods. And that our hearts are often predisposed to love the right now instead of waiting for the yet to come. Without fail, every time I eat Mexican, I fill up on chips and salsa. It is a standard that I know that oftentimes drives where I go to eat because I know that if I'm hungry, I can go to any of our local 
establishments and I'm going to have chips and salsa in front of me probably before I have water. They're that fast with it. And, and inevitably, I am going to start eating those chips and salsa and I'll probably order a meal that I'll never finish because I'm already full. Anybody else have this issue? Predisposed to want the right now instead of waiting for the not yet. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.10, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith. If you're familiar with the, the series Lord of the Rings, we get one Lord of the Rings quote and one sports quote per sermon out here. And I don't, I don't know, the Oakland A's thing might have been it. Um, I don't think there's another one. If you're familiar with the Lord of the Rings, you're familiar with the creature Gollum. This pathetic, sniveling, snarling creature that once was a fisherman that found this, this ring of power and was quickly corrupted by it. And, and we even see in the movies in the book, it's this, this, this metamorphosis as this ring becomes all-consuming and he, he becomes from a person to a creature. And even physical transformation as he goes from being part of a community to being all alone and this ring being the only thing, his precious, all the while this thing is consuming him. So the question might be in a passage like this, how do you know if money has an unhealthy place in your heart? And the answer would be you usually don't. Jesus addresses this in the next section of our text. Look at verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Essentially, what Jesus is saying here is that no other body part you have can do what the eye does. Your nose can smell, but it cannot help you process sight. And Jesus is emphasizing the importance of healthy eyes to the function of the rest of your body. In other words, if you can see well, it makes using the rest of your body easier. Moving through space and grabbing things and holding and, and dodging things that are in your way. If you have healthy eyes, then the rest of your body functions better because of it. And no other part of your body can function and do what the eye does. But having eyes that don't work can in some sense hinder or stall the rest of your body from working properly. The imagery of a blind person in Jesus' day is a little bit different than that because of all the technology that we have available to us. But in his day, to be blind in his day was almost a sentence of sitting at the city gates, waiting living off the pity and hospitality of other people to survive. It shut everything down. Completely dependent on the pities of other pity of others to survive. Now this is this image is such a far cry from the false promises that the world presents to us about money, isn't it? This idea of being blind and stuck at the city gates 
completely dependent on the hospitality and pity of other people, 100% dependent to survive, is, is so much different than the false promises. We believe that if you have enough money, that you can provide for yourself. You can detach from any dependence on anyone or anything. You can be self-sufficient. You can have control. But that's not the image Jesus is giving here. He's given us the whole opposite of that. He's given us this pitiful image of stuck, dying, wasting away, completely reliant. That's the second thing I want us to see in our text. The sin of greed blinds us to seeing and experience experiencing the better things that God wants for us. Jesus is saying that pursuit of earthly riches has a blinding effect. It numbs us to reality. It's it's the frog in the kettle, right? You take a frog, you throw it in hot water. Don't do that. But if you did, it would jump right out immediately. Take a frog, put it in water, normal water, start heating it up. The frog will die before it ever knows that it's in trouble. Now that's a terrible image. But if you think about it, Jesus is not mixing words here on the life or death struggle that this is for us. So it's actually an appropriate image for us to take in. That this balance of money and possession and materialism is not something that we just should get right. We have to get this right. Look at verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Essentially, what he's saying is there's only one, there's only one room in your heart for your precious. So what is your precious? I would wonder how many of us move through life with the false assumption that we can somehow fully devote ourselves to Jesus and his kingdom and also pursue the gods of control, security, success, family, career. So back to our question, how do you know if money has an unhealthy place in your heart. I stand by you. You don't really know. You need help. Jesus says it's going to be a problem for us. And he offers us weapons to fight this sin of greed that exists in all of us. He offers his spirit that he gives to us to reveal and point out and show us. He offers his word that gives us structure and gives us the clarity to know that this is a challenge for us. It's a reality and a truth that we have to face and shouldn't deny. He also gives us his people to be the embodiment of Christ with flesh on speaking his word to us, offering us love and support and accountability and hard questions. So who do you have in your life that would be willing to tell you that money might be an unhealthy thing for you.
We'd love to believe that something like this, this struggle is a one and done issue. That because I walked an aisle at Jesus camp at 12, gave my life to God and his kingdom, it somehow means I don't have to daily grind out my affections. I mean, this week, if you just looked at my week, you would have clear evidence that I've been more committed to the American dream than I have the sure realities of God's promises. I wonder how many of you could agree with me on that. In other churches, there would have been a lot of amens in that part. Sorry. We are who we are, right? I'm just, I'm grateful. This, This table here that we look at, that we get to participate in. I'm just grateful that this teaching and Jesus' purpose in teaching it, his ultimate purpose is not to tell you and me, do better. That this is not a threat of violence against those who currently find themselves on the struggle bus. Those who are having a hard time balancing and reconciling at this current address, earth that you live in. Those who are struggling with the already and the not yet. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, listen, he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's his promise to you who have spent your life devoted to money, And found it to be a terrible God. That's his promise to you. Who daily struggle with wanting more. Than what God has currently given you. And. And let's be honest. Like some of the things that we have. And some of the things that. It may not seem like much. It may seem like groaning and waiting. Um, I, I have not had many experiences. Being under anesthesia. But I remember the first time I remember someone saying counting to 10, count down from 10 and not getting to one. Um, I can remember waking up to this lady in post-op shaking me and saying, wake up, wake up, just gently shaking me, telling me to wake up. And I can remember thinking that I wanted to wake up, but my eyes weren't responding (laughs) They felt so heavy, like it just felt so heavy. And it was like, I want to wake up. I want to listen to you, but I, I just, I can't, I just want to sleep right now. And I can remember her not leaving, her continuing to be there, her continuing to shake me gently, patiently. And then I can remember my eyes starting to respond, like they felt a little less heavy. I can remember getting to the point where my eyes would stay open. I can remember getting to a place where I spoke. I can remember getting to a place where I could stand and getting checked out of the hospital, not being in the state that I was originally in when I first woke up. God's promises to you may not seem sufficient right now. They may not seem like enough to get you through whatever it is that you feel like you're struggling through that makes you want to attach yourself to the insufficient, fleeting, 
dying things that we tend to want to do. But Jesus cautions us against medicating, against numbing, against blinding ourselves with substitutes that take more from you than they give. Jesus says, I have saved you from this. He saves us from the power sin has over us that holds us in this place, that holds us down and makes us subjects and slaves to the world. Just real quick, I want to touch on, that's what he saved us from. I want to touch just real quick, briefly, on what he saved us to that takes us right into this celebration. How do we gather heavenly treasures? If you look at Luke 6, and I don't want you to turn there right now, but it's a similar sermon that Jesus gives. It's called the Sermon on the Plain. He restates a lot of what we hear in Matthew 6. Um, in verse 20, you see a lot of the Beatitudes um, of what it means to wait for heaven versus satisfying ourselves in the world. And then in verse 27, he's basically saying, here's what we should do while we wait. And his answer is this, love your enemies. He goes on to say, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will be put in your lap where the measure that you use will be measured back to you. Jesus is saying that the way that we use these weapons that he's given us to fight the sin of greed and connect and, and, and grow our connection with God's kingdom is by not by just not being greedy, but by practicing indiscriminate generosity by giving ourselves to those who are unworthy of it, who can give us nothing in return. I mean, that's the the beauty of loving your enemy is loving someone that you don't really want to love and has no, there's no benefit to it for you. Indiscriminate protects us from serving our favorites from only serving those who can somehow turn around and and give us a reward for it. So even in your generosity, here's a hard question. Does your generosity ultimately come back just to serve you? Is it just another facade of bringing riches to yourself? Or does it cause you in the way that Jesus is describing here to push off the pleasures and the treasures of this world and force you to wait. With his death on the cross, Jesus purchased you from death. He freed you from the toil and the futility of trusting and fleeting and dying things as your savior. He freed you for the power of sin that it had over you making you unable to do anything else. And he promises, he promises his presence. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's what this table is. It's Jesus saying to you this morning, I still haven't left you and I won't. And I won't forsake you. And I'm here to strengthen you right here. I'm here to give you strength for the journey. Let's pray together. Father, this is a lot to process, especially 
you know, coming in and just hearing this and pray that we would have the opportunity, not only now as we come to your table, truly think about where our treasure is. About how we spend our time and our energy and, and, and the way that we consume how our heart feels about waiting how our heart feels about doing without and in that moment father seeing you who pushed off heaven and who pushed off his kingdom and became Nothing took on the form of a servant and gave all that we might be free. That we would no longer have to trust in ourselves. Trust in fleeting and dying things that we could have life. Now and forevermore. So Father, help us to see this. May this table present to us clearly the cross and all that is offered to us in Christ. And we drink and eat it in and spiritually be nourished by it. We pray all of this in the name of Christ. Amen. We're going to sing a song together and I would invite uh, parents who drop their kids off in discipleship. You can exit during the song and pick up your kids and bring them back and we'll all uh, celebrate the Lord's table together. Let's stand and sing together. <clears throat>